new series today. Everybody like new series? Amen. So today and next Sunday and then Easter Sunday, um, <clears throat> I have some things that I want to talk about that I, I really believe is one of the most important messages that can be preached. There's actually not another message really like this. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to preach this message, but the content that I have today, I don't know that I've ever preached before, and, and the way I'm going to preach. I mean, the scriptures, but, but not the way that I'm going to minister this and share this with you today. title of my message today is Raised to Life. <clears throat> Raised to Life. That's what Jesus was during this season where it's all about the resurrection. <clears throat> Easter is not about bunnies, it's about the resurrection, you know? But we throw the bunnies in there too, amen? We, we, whatever, whatever will get people to a place where they can receive from God, if it takes an Easter egg or whatever, you know, hiding a $10 bill in an Easter egg, whatever it takes to get people to come, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. So Easter Sunday, we've got a big hunt, an Easter egg hunt, and so bring all the kids and we, we'll have great times with that. But Easter is about resurrection. It's about what he did. And that's, I, the, the next three services, we're just going to talk about, you know, I, I don't even know if I can get through this message. I mean, I so, it's just, I'm so emotional about what he did, you know. Um, my, my wife said this to me one time years ago. She said, you know, I was raised in church in a certain denomination she was raised in. She was always told about, how, how did you say that, you, about loving Jesus or that you, knowing Jesus, right? Yes. That Jesus died for her sins, but she didn't know why. You know? How many know it's a good thing that people preach that you must be born again. It's good, okay? But why? Why? That's what we're going to talk about through these three messages. Why? Why be born again? What, what, what it's all about? What did he really, really do for us? What did he really do for us? And what I'm going to do is, <clears throat> I won't do it all three Sundays, but today... I'm going to read in the message translation, John chapter 3, and most of the chapter, at least 21 verses of it in, in, in the message translation, as a foundational teaching of what, I mean, here's Jesus, and this, is, this, this account with Nicodemus was at the beginning of his earthly ministry. And he was preparing him, but it's a message that I've used throughout the years to encourage people regarding what true salvation is. And here's Jesus talking to this very, very educated man of the cloth, if you will. <clears throat> and this guy 
cannot understand what he's saying. Do you know how many people today that you come across that have no clue what you're talking about if you talk about being born again? They have no clue. None. <clears throat> I've been saved for a long time, 40, almost 45 years that I've been born again. And um, after I got born again, I was very passionate about getting people born again everywhere, do everything and anything, and that, you know, and, and everybody had ideas about how to get people saved, you know, go do, knock door to, you know, go door to door, street witnessing, you know. <clears throat> I mean, I can tell you how many times somebody, I, I learned to duck really good when you're ministering to people and they swing at you, you know, out of the car, you know. Hey, do you know Jesus standing at a, at a stoplight, you know, and telling, asking them if they know Jesus, and they, they said, no, but I'm going to introduce you to my fist, you know. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I ducked trying to get people saved. In other words, what I was doing was offensive to them. Why? Because they're, they don't want God? No, every human being on the planet is searching for God. Whether they know it or not, they're searching for Him. Because, because in their DNA is the will and the, and the ways of God. It's inside of every human being that was created in the image of God. Whether you're saved or, or unsaved, you are created by God. And you are created for what? Not hell. You are created to be saved. He said not that one would perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge and come to the knowledge of the truth. That all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the will of the Father. But people just don't know. And there's some things that I'm going to share with you today and the next couple of weeks that some of you may not have gotten. You may not have gotten what I'm going to share with you about what it means to be truly born again, what it means to step into the newness of life. We were raised from death to life. Amen? Jesus is here telling Nicodemus this and I want to read it in the easy-to-read message translation. Verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. Late one night, he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, <clears throat> every time I read this passage, I think of Jesse Duplantis, where Jesse Duplantis said, uh, it was Nick at night. Anyway, <clears throat> I can't read that without thinking that. Nick at night. Late one night, visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God pointing. No one could do all the God pointing, God revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. So he knew that based on what? on manifestations, things that he had seen, things he had heard. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to the kingdom. Jesus came here to point us to the kingdom, right? The kingdom of what? The kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of the world. Kingdoms are, are, are 
the domain of a certain place. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven brought to, to the earth. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven brought to the earth. So when we live in this world, we live in the United States of, of, of America, and this United States of America is a kingdom. It has a, has a rule and authority and a way of operating in the earth, okay? But the way we operate as the United States of America is totally different than the way God operates from heaven. There are certain things that, that line up with that, but there are a lot of things through the years that have been twisted and drawn away from the things of God that doesn't change the kingdom of God. Say this after me. God is the same today, yesterday, forever. Amen? He's the same. Kingdom of God will never change. I don't care what people do. So God's way of thinking, heaven's way of thinking was brought to the earth through Jesus Christ, and that's what he's trying to tell Nicodemus. He said, how can anyone, said Nicodemus, be born who has already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above talk? Jesus said, verse 5, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby... It's just that, a body you can look at and touch, but the person who takes shape within it, within it's formed by something you can't see and touch, which is what? The spirit, and it becomes a living spirit. Man, I mean, we got to go over that again. He said, when you look at a baby, there's a baby in the back right there, when you look at that little baby, she's, she's... a little bit bigger than an itty-bitty baby, but she's still a baby. <clears throat> when you look at a baby, it's just that. It's a body. You can look and at and touch and, you know, cuddle and, ooh, man, we love all that. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch. See, that's why when we dedicate babies... You know, dedication is not a baptism. Dedication is a challenge of the parents to raise those kids in the fear and the understanding of God and the truth of God's Word so that their form takes the shape God intended for it to take. Without the Word of God, without the Spirit of God in a human being, we all started out as little babies. We all took shape. Some of us grew up spiritually quicker than others. Some it took longer because of coming into the kingdom. But we're to take shape the way God wants us to take shape. Why? Because first and foremost, the babies that we hold, that we have, that we birth and all those kind of things, not, not me birth, but you know, you know what I'm saying, <clears throat> that, we, that, that the women birth, they're his first. He's empowered us to be in charge of raising them up to be what they were created to be. 
Many of you, like myself, in, in the formative years, nobody knew God in my family. Nobody taught me God. As I grew up, started growing up, learned a lot of stuff that's contrary to the ways of God. Learned a lot of things. Two months before I turned 18 years old, I got born again. I got born again out of desperation, but I got born again because people were praying for me. And when I got born again, something changed and transformed that I had no clue, but it didn't do away with all the other stuff that had already taken shape. See, he says here, but the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, which is what? The spirit. And it becomes a living spirit. The moment a child is conceived, they're complete. No matter what anybody else tells you, the Bible's very clear about it. When a child, when, when, a, when a baby is conceived, the moment they're conceived, they're complete. Physically, spiritually, and in every way. So they have a human spirit inside. But that human spirit does not come alive until Jesus is received. That's why, that's why you know, a child that's six months old cannot accept Jesus Christ as Savior because they don't understand yet. I mean, I, I've seen them genuinely get born again at, at about the age of two and a half or three years old, you know, where, where, some, where a child really said they believe in Jesus. They said it for themselves. You say, well, but, you know, they don't totally understand it. That's all right. That you, you, can, you can, as you go along, be challenged to rededicate your life. Not get born again again, but to rededicate your life. Be challenged at different levels. I've done that a number of times. I always thought that when I first started, I thought rededicating my life was something like I I didn't really get born again, so I got to get born again again. No. You get born again, and your spirit man becomes alive. That's what he said right here. What, what, What is it that takes shape? The spirit, you become a living spirit. Spirit's there. Your human spirit is inside, but it's not alive yet till it becomes one with Jesus. Or one with the Holy Spirit. When it becomes one with the Holy Spirit, then you become a living being. Verse 7. So don't be so surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. He was talking to Nicodemus because he was born from the world. Right? He was born into the world. He was born of the flesh. That's why he could speak to him about this. You know well enough how the wind blows, this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone born from above by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. Nicodemus, verse 9, asked, What do you mean by this? How does this happen? Jesus said, you know, you're a respected teacher of Israel, and you don't know these basics? I'll just tell you today, I'm convinced that many, many, many people have never gotten the basics of what I'm talking about today regarding salvation. The basics of it. It, It's not just... It's not just some kind of a thing that happens to us and 
it's like a blanket insurance policy and everything's covered and now I can just live however I want to live. And I mean, people get all these weird ideas about what salvation is. It's the beginning, it's the beginning of this life eternal with God. The moment you were conceived, your life was set for eternity. The moment you were conceived, actually, before you were conceived, because he already had a plan for you even before you were. You understand? But, but it came into motion the moment you were conceived in the flesh. But the moment that you get born again, now your spirit man is alive for eternity. It's alive. And the moment I get born again, I've be, I have access to the throne of God, to the understanding of God, everything that God wants me to know. If you ever hear people say, or you ever say it yourself, shut your mouth. And don't shut someone else's mouth, just shut your mouth. <clears throat> when, when you say something like, you just never know what God is going to do. No, you can know everything God is going to do. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us. It, there's only one spirit, and he lives inside of me. <laughs> he lives inside of you. What is too big for the God that lives inside of me? I'll tell you what's too big. What's too big is what we don't allow Him to do for us. What we don't understand is where our limitations are. What we don't understand are the only limitations that God has. You mean, I can limit God? Absolutely. In your life. You can limit God doing what He wants to already, He already has the plan for you, He wants it accomplished, but you have to believe it first. That's where so many people get mixed up and have such misunderstanding about God. So many people are waiting on God to do something in their life and fix things in their life. When God's saying, listen, I've already done it, what I need for you to do is you need to learn how to hear the voice of the Spirit, you need to know the truth of my word, and you need to allow the person of the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you so that you can know how to walk out what you need to walk out and accomplish and be on the receiving end of all that I have for you. He said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, knowledge that they've had, that they've slipped away with, they've not developed. We have to have developed knowledge to know what God is doing and wants to do in our lives so we can be on the receiving end of what God has. Remember, he didn't send us a doer. He sent us a helper. He won't do it for you, but he'll help you do it. And when you get the whole plan from him, so what all I'm doing is walking out his plan that he's revealed to me, then it works. But see, when I'm over here stressing out and trying to work a plan and trying to get God to bless it and trying to get God to fix my plan, putting the cart before the horse. <clears throat> So he tells him you're a respected, and you don't under, uh, a respected teacher and you don't understand the basics. He said, listen carefully. I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only what I know 
by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There is nothing secondhand here, no heresy. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with questions. Probably next week we're going to look at that because there's a lot of truth in procrastination. There's a lot of truth in how we procrastinate instead of believing. If I tell you things, well, I've got to stop. I've got to go back to that procrastination. He said you procrastinate, how? With questions. Pastor, man, I've stood in the Word for, I don't know, six, eight months. And, uh, I mean, it's just not working. You know, why? Procrastination, instead of staying in the game and continually developing your belief system in God. See, never, never tell anybody and never be used by the enemy to tell people that they don't have something because they don't have enough faith. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Things aren't working in our lives because we're not developing our faith and trust in God and realizing what He already has for us. And that's what happens. That's what He's saying right here. You're you're in this, I mean, we're talking about the head of the church is telling this educated man, you're in procrastination. You're asking all kinds of crazy questions that you should already know. I mean, that's what he's saying, but I'm not going to say it that hard to somebody. I'm not going to say it that direct. He didn't have a whole lot of time. He had to get it out and say, what, 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 this is the problem. So when you see things that Jesus says like this, you can't just take it as though, okay, if I'm procrastinating, I'm asking questions and I'm a loser. No, no. That just identifies where you're at. I mean, I mean how, how many understand if you're procrastinating, if you're asking too many questions, instead of continually developing your belief system with God, just make the alterations. Learn how to develop that and make those changes. That's where the victory comes from. <clears throat> if I tell you things that are plain as the hand before your face and you don't believe me, What use is there in telling you of things you can't see, the things of God? No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from the presence, the Son of Man. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man. I mean, he's telling him this, and he's him. He's him. This is at least a couple of years, maybe more, before this actually happened. He's he's the son of man that's going to be lifted up and crucified. Same illustration that we see with Moses and the serpent. Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe. It is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up, and everyone who looks up to Him, trusting and expectant, will gain, will gain a real life, which is 
eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. What I'm talking to you about today in the next two Sundays is eternal life. We've been raised from death to eternal life. And I want to, in a moment, I want to spend the rest of this service looking at three words. I want to look at the word death, I want to look at the word hate, and I want to um, look at the word murder. Because they're mentioned a lot in Scripture, and I'm just going to take one passage, and I want to look at these three words, because I believe that sometimes we misunderstand these words when looking at eternal life. Because I think if we can understand these words and what's up against us, and what's trying to keep us from embracing what Jesus actually did for us, then we're ahead of the game. So we're learning, because what we're, what we're learning how to do is, we're learning how to not always be under and behind. We're learning how to be up on top where He is and connected to Him. So when you're connected to Him and you believe in Him and you believe what He's already done, then the victory that He's already won for you are the victories that you'll experience. You will experience those. Verse 16, eternal life is what we're talking about. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why, this is why, this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an an accusing finger. Uh -uh. He didn't come to point an accusing finger. He came to point you to the kingdom. Can you say amen? Telling the world how bad it was. The world already knows how bad it is. People already know how bad they do things. They don't need you telling them and reminding them your problems because of all these mistakes you've made. That's a lie. The problem is the lack of God in your life. Because the things that we do that aren't pleasing to God, we'll change those when we have a real relationship with Him. That's how the process works. I'm telling you, God is overwhelmingly patient and long-suffering in waiting for you and I to overcome and to get it. People aren't. People are not. People want someone to get born again and then change. I don't know about you, but it didn't work that way with me. I got born again, changed, didn't change, changed, didn't change, changed, didn't change, changed, didn't change, changed, went back, changed, went back, changed, went back, changed, struggled, changed, struggled, changed, struggled, Changed, didn't struggle, got on top, but it took a while. Amen? God's patient and long-suffering. We're not, but He is. Thank God He's the judge and not you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. That'll put a smile on your face. You're not the judge and neither is your neighbor. He is. He knows how to judge. Amen? And what's in His judgment? (laughs) You're good. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants you to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Sean, Sean, would you grab me that water right there and just hand it to me? I'm sorry. 
<clears throat> I just need a quick drink. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. <clears throat> to tell the world how bad it was, right? That's where I left off. He came to help. He came to help. Everybody say, he's the helper. He, I mean, he can be whatever he wants to be, right? He's God. But he calls himself now in this life what pertains to us on planet earth. He is the helper. Say it. I need help. Done. Helper, I need help. There he's, he's fulfilling his purpose. Amen? He's fulfilling it. He came to help to put the world right again. Dang. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be concerned. We don't have to be worried about government or what's going on in the government. I mean, there have been crazy things going on in the government for years and years and years. We don't have to be worried about that kind of stuff. But you, you, you are commissioned to pray for government and all those in authority. All those in authority. We're, we're com- commanded to pray for all those in authority. Not gripe and be bitter and all these kind of things, but to pray for all those in authority. <clears throat> Because he's righting the wrong. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Hmm. Anyone who refuses to trust in him as law, as long, has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. Last couple of verses. This is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who, practice, who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. See, why? They don't understand Him. Getting close to God with sin in your life or mistakes in your life or those kind of things is, I like the wording here, is not a painful exposure. There's an exposure, yeah, but it's a liberating exposure. I don't know about you, but when I finally came to the place where I realized I could be honest about my mistakes and the things I'd done, and I'm able to put it before God and admit to it, man, it wasn't painful, it was liberating. What was painful was trying to protect it, hide it, you know? Oh, my God, what if they find out if I, made the, I did this and these kind of things? No. It's liberating. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes Godlight so the work can be seen for the work, for the God work that it is. I love the way it says that. It said, Anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God light, welcomes the exposure of the light of God, shining it on areas and pockets of darkness in our soul. We're not afraid of it. I'm telling you today, you can get way ahead of the game not being afraid of things being exposed in your life. I'm not talking about you go expose and tell everybody in the world. People can't handle mistakes we make. I'm talking about doing it the right way. You know, in the church world, we've got, to be, we've got to be responsible people. 
In the 32 years that we've been in this church and we've pastored this church, we've taken it very serious. If you come and talk to me, nobody else in the church is going to know anything about it. You talk to someone else that, that is in the church that helps with those type of things and you talk to somebody, you, nobody in the church, anybody will know anything about your life. Why? Because we have to be responsible with the things we hear because all we are are conduits so that God's light can shine and expose darkness and cause people to rise out of the stuff they've been in and be all God created them to be. That's why we're family. That's why we're here in spite of one another and in spite of our differences. We're here to grow up together. Can you say amen to that? So just in the end of this, I want to look at a couple things. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. I want to read this and then I want to look at these three words. <clears throat> verse 14 in the New Living Translation. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we've passed from death to life. That word death there is not ceasing to exist. That word death there, its strongest definition is destruction. And the destruction is the result of our way of life. We are our worst enemy when we stay unrenewed. I'll say it again. You are your worst enemy. Your worst enemy. Not your neighbor, not somebody that did something to you. You're your worst enemy by you staying unrenewed. Now watch this. Watch this. I got three verses of scripture here that I'm going to read and I'm defining these three words. The word death is destruction. And it's self-destruction is what it is. So I'm going to read that again. If you love brothers and sisters who are believers, notice he didn't say unbelievers, he said believers. <laughs> They're the hardest ones. Hmm? People that are believers, they got some unrenewed pockets and they act like a jerk and they do whatever. I mean, man, man. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, then it proves that we've passed from self-destruction to the life of God because we've renewed our minds to the truth. But a person who has no love is still dead, not ceasing to exist. They're still in self-destruction. Why? Because they don't love. Right. Well, no, I'll say it like this. No, because they're not developing a life of love. And listen, if you're going to develop a life of love, you have to start with the tough cases. See, if you're still in self-destruction, well, you love people that love you. Do all these kind things to you. Oh, I just love them. They're just such great people, you know. But that aunt of mine, man, I could drop kick her out of there. You got to start with aunt drop kick. You got to start with her. See, you don't start with her, 
she contaminates your, your relationship with her and what you're not doing with her. It contaminates everything else. See, because, see, he's talking to believers here how they love believers. He said, but a person who has no love, and I'll just say it like this. I'm just kind of helping the Apostle John here. A person that doesn't have love in a certain area, they're still living in self-destruction because they're not renewing their mind and they're not practicing how to love in spite of what someone else does. How someone treats, how someone treats you is about them. How you treat them is all about you. just the way it works. It's what he's talking about. Now he goes a little deeper. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. I know I've hated somebody before, so I must be a murderer. It's not what he's talking about. It's really important that you see this. Really important that you see it. The word hate there in the Greek means to detest and want to persecute. Everybody laugh. I mean, who hasn't felt that way about somebody? You detest them. You want to persecute them. Actually, when you really look deeper at this word, because it comes from about four different words, really what it is, if you boil it all down, you want somebody to pay for their ugly actions. They don't deserve to be treated right. Then he said, because of that detest, because of that hate, there's a murdering spirit in there. Let's define that word murder, because he uses it again. (laughs) He said, it says here, in the Greek, this word murder, um, your hatred wants them to be removed. Your hatred wants them to be gone. Your hatred doesn't want them around. Your, your hatred wants them to pay, to be taken out. They need to be thrown in jail. They need to be whatever it is. But that word murder there is not, is not defined as taking a gun and shooting somebody. See, I always thought it was. That's not the same word. Now, it comes from that word, but here it's defined in a deeper way because, listen, it's, it's see, See, somebody with a murdering spirit that's looking for someone to murder, man, they've gone down the road. You don't just wake up one day and think, I'm going to murder about a dozen people. I'm going to become a serial killer today. That's a new profession for me. I mean, that's not funny, right? But I'm saying, you don't wake up like that. It, it It comes because of the lack of renewal in your life. But this word here is not that. It's not that. You don't want the good for people. You want them taken out. You don't want them to advance. So listen to these last two verses, or the last part of these three verses. 
<clears throat> Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have, what's the word? What are we talking about? Eternal life. Don't have in, in, eternal life within them. Did it say they couldn't have eternal life? It says they don't have eternal life working in them. Because eternal life is from God. And what is God? God is love. And what is love? Patient. With impatient people. Kind to unkind people. Right? Doesn't think about itself, but thinks about the good of others. On and on and on. You go and read 1 Corinthians 13, and you see the nature of the God that we're talking about. That's his nature. <clears throat> he said, he said, if you know that murders don't have eternal life within them, we, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, <clears throat> that's all I'm going to say about it today but I'm going to finish with these thoughts on that. All Scripture is inspired by God for discipline, for training, for equipping, for building in righteousness, knowing what is right. And I can tell you today that the sacrifice for all of humanity, for all of humanity that ever lived or ever will live, was on Jesus' shoulders. He didn't deserve one thing, and he took it all on himself as an example for us to love and give ourselves for unlovely people. And if we don't see it that way, then what, what stays with us is this murdering spirit, this attitude that wants people removed and taken out. A lot of times what will happen, and, I, and I, I was this way for a long time. Not a long time, but for a short period of time, I was this way. I may, may be on the job or somewhere where I was working thinking, well, you know what, they're, they're ugly, you know. I need to get another job. Well, you go to the next job, and the same guy in a different body is there. See? Why? Because you didn't deal with it. You didn't confront it. You didn't deal with you giving yourself for them. Oh, but, you know, if I did something like that, people would take advantage of me. Does it look like, did it look like until the last second that Jesus was being taken advantage of? But then what? Raised from death to life. Huh? And you know what happens with us? When we are willing to deal with the hatred, the death, the murdering thing, the murdering attitude and spirit, because they're demonic spirits that try to control our minds, thinking, if I can get rid of this person, then everything will be okay. No, you've got to win that person. You know, there's a lot you can say to all these type of situations. I'm not talking about, you know, Laying your life down for, you know, if you're, a, if you're, 
if you're a certain person and somebody's abusing you or they, I mean, I, you know, there's all kinds of situations that you could say, well, this doesn't work. I'm just telling you that if you take Scripture literally that we just read here and what we're talking about today and what Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about, if we take this literal, then our responsibility is to develop a life of love for all of humanity the way that Jesus laid his life down for all of humanity. And when we develop that life, then what we get rid of is that spirit of death, that spirit of hatred, that spirit of anger, the spirit of murder. We get rid of all those things because they're not a part of living with him. What, what is he pointing to? He's not pointing at, well, you, you act that way, and you, well, I've seen you, and I've seen, you know, that's not Jesus. Jesus is pointing to the kingdom. He's bringing us to new places and new heights. That's why our lives have to be developing this kind of relationship. And what Jesus paid for at Calvary, what he did, he said, God, if there be any other way, but not my will, let yours be done. And I love it in the passion of the Christ when he gets up from the ground and there's that snake, and he sticks his foot on that snake's head. And, and, and I mean, right then he said, man, the victory is here right now. Why? Because he made a decision. Your victory, your victory day to day in your life is based on a decision, I'm going to renew my mind. You're not going to do it perfectly. Man, renewing process a lot of times is ugly. It takes a long time. you got to get through stuff, and you, you, you screw up, you mess up, and then you got to get back up, and, and, and you keep coming. But just don't quit. And stay connected to Him and learn how to love and practice on the ugly people. And the more you practice on it and the people that really irritate you and that you just love to just kind of take out, I'm not meaning you like to put a gun to their head. I'm talking about just remove them. Get, get out of my life. Get out of my face. Those same kind of people will be the next situation you're in. But man, when you overcome one, then you overcome another, and you overcome another. You know what I found out? Those people didn't know God. I did. And now I know God even better. And now these people have been able to see this example like Moses with the serpent. Now they're seeing me in the same way with Jesus Christ. Me putting him out there because I couldn't have done it on my own. Only by the Spirit revealing truth to me. And giving me the ability and the plan how to overcome difficult situations. Now listen, there are some difficult relationships in life. I mean difficult. But you think he doesn't have the plan? You think he doesn't know how to accomplish that? I'm telling you, he's already got it done. He's already got it fixed for you if you'll connect to him and be led by him and allow him to show you how to overcome in these situations. Can you say amen to that?